Welcome to Icetown Clowns, a podcast reviewing every episode of NBC's Parks and Recreation. I'm Katie. And I'm Kirk, and I'm not making a joke, because Jacob's not actually here again, so... It would be weird. Yes. Yeah. Jacob, once again, thinks that he's too cool, and his job is too important to have time to record this week. Or he's getting ready for a Super Bowl party, or something like that? I, none of the excuses are good, and feel free to send negative mail his way. I just want listeners to know that I will never skip a recording for such a meaningless reason. And I will also go back and edit this part out of this episode if I ever need to skip a recording. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes. Um, so this episode, we are reviewing Season 3, Episode 8, Camping. It originally aired March 24th of 2011. It is directed by somebody named Rob Schraub, who... Oh, poor kid. <laughs> yeah. That's tough. Yeah. But uh, not a name that I recognized. And was written by Aisha Muhar- Muharar. Um, Has she written an episode before? I I don't think so. Although I, it does feel familiar that I stumbled over that pronunciation. But I don't think so. We just haven't had that many women writers. Yeah. So, nice to see more. Yeah. Um, the summary is Leslie sets up a camping trip to brainstorm for new ideas, but she's the one who surprisingly can't come up with anything. Meanwhile, Chris returns to Pawnee as a temporary city manager, causing further confusion for Anne. Poor that is Anne. literally an accurate synopsis of the episode and really all the commentary this episode deserves. Yeah, yeah, we really could just end yeah. right yeah. there. Why do you go camping for brainstorming? Like, if you're going to focus on coming up with ideas or, 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 like, working together, building teamwork skills, like, going camping, which itself is a whole production that involves all sorts of side work to, like, feed yourself or, you know, put up a tent and all this other stuff, seems like that's a lot of distractions and not really focusing on the problem at hand. Right, right. They would have been better off just going to that bed and breakfast from the start. <laughs> yeah, from the beginning, which I have questions and thoughts on but we'll get there um so the, we actually opened the episode with the city manager giving a press conference about how successful the harvest festival was and having a heart attack in the middle which causes him to fall down and grab leslie's boob for i, don't, I guess comedic value like i don't know why that had to happen but okay <laughs> I, maybe i'm a bad person I actually thought that was funny. Yeah. Most I mean, on the, is, on the but... strength of the Pawnee Sun headline, nope, grope is last hope. <laughs> yeah, and as Leslie funny. said, this was the second most awkward way a man has ever grabbed her breasts. <laughs> I don't believe that. I'm going to be honest. I think it's probably further down, like fourth <laughs> or fifth, just from all of the stories she's told Anne. So apparently... This led to the city manager having an octuple bypass. Yeah, I don't think that's a thing. I mean, you could do that if you do such a bad job on the first four bypasses. You have to go back and re-bypass every artery. At I, that point, maybe find a different doctor. 
Well, I know you could have a quintuple bypass. That's a thing. But there's only, uh, maybe. I, don't, I guess if you have multiple blockages, you have to bypass twice on this. Because there's only, there's only four vessels, I'm, I'm like blood vessels that go into your heart, right? I have absolutely no idea. I can, I cannot contribute anything to this. I know that you can have a quintuple bypass, but I, that's the end of my knowledge. Oh. So, if you say so. But I, I have never heard of an octuple. Yeah, that seems to be a bit much. Um, and so, because of that, the mayor asks Chris Traeger to come step in as city manager. Which, this kind of comes up later, but they're really losing the thread a little bit on like why Ben and Chris are there, what their job is, who they work for, and that that Chris would go back, but then immediately be available to come be city manager again. I just, it's possible I have just lost the thread, but I feel no, like it's No, they starting. just stop caring. Yeah. They just stop caring. It's like in the Star Trek movies, when... They start having Worf show up in the Next Generation movies, even though he'd been moved to a different TV show. They started out, they explained it. Oh, Worf is here because we, we helped his ship here. And then, oh, Worf is here. And eventually, they just stopped. He just shows up. And it's like, oh, right. he's just here. Right? I and think that's where they've gotten. They've gotten to the point where Worf is just showing up. Yeah. And it's Chris Traeger. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm fine with it. I want them to be here. I just, yeah. two more sentences of exposition probably could have made it a little clearer. But... You know, whatever. Chris is now the city manager. Um, and Leslie wants to make a good impression, which is why she comes up with this idea that everyone is going to go on a camping retreat. I, this park is supposed to be in Pawnee, yes? It's not that far away. Yeah, I think that that was the gist of it. I mean, it was close enough that Chris could jog there. Right. So I just... The size and scope of parks in Pawnee seems to rise and fall much like the population of the town, where sometimes we only have a few small parks, sometimes we have roller coasters, and then sometimes we have a giant wilderness so big that we have to stay at a bed and breakfast rather than just, I don't know, return to the parking lot and drive back to their houses. Well, this this giant wilderness is clearly next door to the casino and across the street from the university that are in Pawnee when they need to be for the purpose of the plot. Right. And there's that overlook where they're able to look at the sunset from some sort of elevation. Yeah. Like it's a beautiful sunset, but yeah, but I couldn't see the town, which is interesting. Yeah. No, I I had a lot of questions. So important update. There are four major arteries that go into the heart. And each of those arteries has some minor arteries that support its work, thus probably a quintuple bypasses. Mm. All four major arteries and then one of those minor ones. Okay, so in theory, I guess you could have an octuple bypass. Uh, let's see here. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, this is the kind of riveting commentary that people show up for here on this, on this podcast. Oh, look. <laughs> Artery counting. I don't know much about heart health. Salt. Salt is good for you. Eat a lot of salt. Yeah, well, I'm set. I'm set. Yeah. Uh, So April is very angry about going on the camping retreat, which, like, 
one, is a reasonable position to have, and two, I feel like very much fits with her character, that she would yeah. not be into camping. So, camping is awesome. So Yeah, no, I, I mostly enjoy camping, but I, I understand how April doesn't. It's so boring, and you can see the stars, which I hate. I wonder what Jacob's opinion on camping is. I would be inclined to think he would not like it, but then he did shoot that boar that one time, so I don't know. He might have liked it until he saw this episode and found out April didn't. Oh, yeah, true. True, true, true. So why did Ann Perkins have that weird red color in her hair? (laughs) She did it because of Chris. It was, I think, the last episode where she's explaining to Donna all the things she did because of the breakup where she's like, I did this weird thing to my hair. It's just like a she put okay. some red highlights in it. So her saying, I didn't do this because of you is a callback to that because she definitely did it because of him. I guess I don't remember that red color in her hair last episode. Um, it's growing. I like okay. they showed it and it was like one little piece that you could see and then now it's like half her head. So, I don't know. I should dye my hair like that. I think it would look good. I completely agree. I actually, a couple of times, have thought about doing it and then have thought back on these episodes and been like, no, no. (laughs) I shouldn't. When I was in college and I had hair, I did dye my hair a couple of times. I dyed it like pitch, pitch black once. um, And I dyed it like a natural red color a couple of times. Interesting. I dyed my hair pink in college freshman year because my family would never let me do that sort of thing. And so when I got to college, I dyed the ends pink. And yeah, they're pretty upset. My father actually made me dye it back before I could go over to my grandparents' house. And it also, it didn't look good. So there was also that. (laughs) I also used to wear colored contact lenses. So I'm getting a real picture. There are pictures of me with red hair and like brilliant blue eyes that don't look anything like me. My mother hated that so much. In fact, when my high school girlfriend got married, my mother made me dye my hair back its natural color before I went to the wedding. Nice. Yeah. I had really dark hair for most of college. I actually dyed my hair really dark brown. Um, so yeah, I've kind of been all over the, the map there too, but Anne does have one line here that I really love. I salsa your face. Yeah, we should catch up. Catch up and mustard. I relish your wit. I salsa your face. (laughs) Like, I want a t-shirt that says that. That's a great line. Well, we should add that to the list. Don't we have a list of t-shirt ideas? Yeah, we do. But it's in my head and I've forgotten most of them. Me too. We should have one of our interns listen back through all the episodes and write down all of our t-shirt ideas. That's a great plan. Also, we should get interns. (laughs) I'm already in charge of my intern at work. Yes, but both of us work for the government, so repurposing any intern time to a project like that would be highly unethical. Yeah, no, I would certainly not do that. I would never do that. I more just mean... I don't want to be in charge of additional interns. They're right. wonderful. They are. Um, and they should be but, paid. Yeah. Oh, totally agree. I know. Um, yeah. So then Anne, of course, reads too much into this interaction with Chris and is like, oh, maybe it means he wants to get back together. And Leslie gives some good advice, which is 
no, he doesn't. This is Chris Traeger. Stop what you're doing. And <laughs> invites her camping because, God forbid, we have some sort of parks department adventure that Anne isn't a part of. I'm not sure that city insurance would allow Anne to attend this event. That seems I mean, she went and very problematic. She went hunting, so, like, this is yeah. much less dangerous. But was that, was the hunting an official Parks Department activity, or was it just something they were doing because they had access? I, now I, I don't remember, but I, I think I, I vaguely recall something official. about them checking out the facilities or something. I don't know. Yeah, I yes. think it was official, but I'm, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... They go on this camping trip. Ron just wants to fish because it's it's like yoga, but he still gets to kill something. Do you like to fish? I mean, I have fished many a time in my life, but I don't. I don't like the part like after, like it's exciting to catch the fish, but I don't like like removing it from the hook and then it's like it's sad. I, I think I'd maybe be a better, like, catch and release. Fisher. Yeah. I, if I were to actually fish, I'd want to do catch and release. Partly because, though, the only time I've really gone fishing in my life, the only thing that got caught on a hook was me. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. Wasn't yeah. me who caught myself on the hook, either. Right, it was someone else. Yeah. Yes. No, that's... Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I like... I think what I really just like is the being near water part of it, which, you know, you can do without fishing. Exactly. So Yeah, I mean, that's half of what I did on the cruise ship that Jason and I were on in August was I just sat there on the deck and watched the, you know, the ocean yeah. roll by. It was amazing. Yeah. Loved it. No, that's kind of, that's my yeah. jam. Um, <laughs> so Ben didn't bring a tent. And he's just going to sleep on the floor. <laughs> I feel like this is also very fitting for Ben Wyatt's character, who cannot be that much of an outdoorsman. And also the penny pincherness of, well, I'm only going to go camping this once, and I'm not going to spend $150 on a tent. Yeah. I mean, but, it's true, though. Like, like, wouldn't you spend that on a hotel room in, in many places? Right. But... You have to spend more than $150 to really get, like, all the equipment that you would need for camping. I mean, it's, it is not a cheap endeavor, as I understand it. It's been a while since I've gone to Sports Authority and looked at all that stuff. <laughs> First problem, going to Sports Authority right. to buy also camping that. stuff. You know, I think that there might be some desperation markups in the Sports Authority pricing. No, but it is, it is expensive because you need more durable cookware than you're going to use in your kitchen. Right. You need a backpack. You need a sleeping bag, sleeping bag, which everybody should have anyways. Just, you know, and you need uh, obviously a tent. But you right. also need a, a tarp to put down under the tent so that dew in the morning doesn't seep up right. into your tent. Very important. And right. you probably need a cot to put in your tent to put your sleeping bag on. So again, so you're not sleeping directly on the ground. Yeah. Now you can go in the opposite direction and go the Tom Haverford way, which is to buy everything from Sky Ball, which actually looks really fun. But then he's going <laughs> to return it the next day. Yeah. Well, which... that's because he's a bad person. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> but the tent itself, as it's set up, looks awesome. Yeah. So I'm. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I I am someone who uh, would glamping is very appealing to me. I've never done it, but I would be very into it. So I was in Boy Scouts for forever when I was a kid, and I got into the Order of the Arrow, which is like the Boy Scout Honor Society, so I was going on camping trips like twice a month. And eventually, particularly when you get into the leadership at OA, and you spend all your time working at at the camps, you don't really want to go and have to set up a tent site and all that when you get there. So oftentimes, you just end up putting your sleeping bag in the back of your Jeep or the bed of your truck or whatever car you have and sleeping in that, which... It's not bad, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, no, I I was a camp counselor, and so I've done similar things. At least sure. there, though, the cabin is assembled, right? It's, it's there. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, but sometimes you have to go on, like, you know, excursions out. Um, I slept in yes. a lot of fields. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. Tennessee, um, summer camping. <laughs> South Georgia. Yeah, <laughs> Almost a lot of fun. Same. Yeah, it's probably the same mountain um, range. Prob- yeah, that's true. Yep. Uh, so Andy, speaking of tents, Andy has set up a very romantic tent, but he uses these red and pink balloons and flower petals, and I just, it's sweet, but he's met April, right? Like, I just don't see her being into all of that. Uh, maybe when she thinks nobody's looking, she's more into that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that is certainly true, but I don't know. I she has a very soft underbelly, right? Like, <laughs> underneath all those layers of cynicism, there is uh, a real soft heart, which we find out in later episodes. So That's I think true. I think that Andy might be aware of that to, to a degree that we're not at this point. All right, I'll give you that. That's a reasonable explanation. I don't know how the fuck he ended up like 25, 30 miles away from where he's supposed to be. Like, also, how is there a park that big? It must be some national park that happens to be in the middle of Indiana. An hour from Indianapolis. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah. It, I mean, whatever. It makes Has anybody even story, checked? But... Like, I don't know. Um, I haven't spent a lot of time in Indiana, but is that what forests look like in Indiana even? Yeah, I have no idea. Probably that, not. It kind of looked like Southern California. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Man. Mm. What a coincidence. Yes. <laughs> uh, so they all are trying to pitch their ideas. Leslie is making um, all the members of the Parks Department pitch an idea. Um, and Tom's pitch is to get... Uh, Basically to build an amphitheater to get performers who Jerry calls rapists. Well, what do Jay-Z, Lil Wayne, and Drake Hall have in common? Well, for one thing, I'm barely aware of any of them existing, but I have kind of heard of them. They're, they're rapists, Kirk. They are rapists. Um, so before, before Tom goes, though, Ron talks about his plan, which is returning the money from the Harvest Festival to the people of Pawnee. Which would be eighty four cents per household. So it's almost enough for a Costco membership. But oh, thank you, Speaker Ryan. No, um, <laughs> how? Like seriously, either Pawnee is huge in a way that has not been established on the show, or the Harvest Festival profits are not enough to actually do anything with, because less than a dollar per household. 
Yeah. Again, Pawnee just is of a nebulous size for whatever they need for the particular yes. episode. Um, I also really like Donna's idea. Luxury dog park. Poodles only. No pooping. Except that poodles aren't the dogs that deserve a luxury dog of park. Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> I dare you to try to make a beagles only dog park. <laughs> you could definitely do that. That would be, you know, an exceptional investment. We should discuss this with our guest later in this episode. Oh, yeah. Maybe we should. Yep. Hopefully we didn't pre-record that interview. <laughs> I know. That would have been a great question. Maybe been. we'll remember to ask it. <laughs> yes. Um, so Ben wants to invest the money and make 4% a year. Um, like, what were interest rates when this episode was airing? I guess they were down at zero. So that, I guess that's somewhat sensible. Seems to be like you can make more than 4% a year. Yeah. If you're doing your job right. It's also, yeah. It's probably the thing that would be most likely to happen, right? <laughs> I don't know. What, what Pawnee could do is just keep, you know, create like a trust, put the money in there, and, and, and take the profits and, re, you know, and use them to fund city services. And then just keep putting more and more and more money into this endowment trust until it becomes massive. And then be like, well, we can't do anything with this. What are you talking about? We can't lower tuition to our university. And we just have this billion-dollar endowment. No, we can't do that. Kirk, yeah, don't engage in such crazy fantasy <laughs> that has no basis in reality. It's hard to follow the story. You I know? guess. I guess. Uh, so Leslie winds up confessing to Anne that even though she keeps saying she has a great idea, that she has no idea. Um, and I love <laughs> that Anne is like, what about that plot line from all of season one? Yeah. <laughs> forget about that. That's not enough. Plus, it won't turn a profit. It can be... It could be the, you know, luxury poodle park. Yeah, that's true. It could be that. Leslie uh, doesn't have an idea, but she does have an inspiring dream. <laughs> I married Alf and we were happy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that's why Leslie has dragged everybody out here to make them do this. Then we get this scene of Jerry and Ron fishing, <laughs> which... Doesn't advance the plot, but it's probably my favorite scene in the whole episode. <laughs> it was by far the best. Yeah, where Jerry's talking about how his 16-year-old daughter is too young to be sexually active, and he doesn't want her to go on birth control. He was 24 when Kale took his virginity. <laughs> and Ron is just so unhappy. The best is the tag at the end of the scene yes. where Jerry says, I should, I, I think I should lead a teen abstinence workshop. And Ron replies, that might be incredibly effective. Yeah, it's great. It's just a really great scene all the way around. Um, and then we get this thing that we've already kind of talked about, but where Ben and Leslie are standing on some sort of elevation looking at this sunset and Leslie confesses to Ben that she doesn't have an idea, and, um, you know, she's really, this is actually kind of a serious moment in this otherwise pretty blah episode, but she kind of has this existential crisis of, do I have to just keep thinking of one magical idea after the other to live up to, you know, this reputation, and it's a, it's a struggle for her. 
why are people so obsessed with the Parks Department copying the Harvest Festival? Are the people of Pawnee really watching with bated breath for the next <laughs> announcement from Leslie Nope about what the Parks Department is going to do? Maybe there's not a lot to do in Pawnee, Indiana. I don't know. I guess. Um, he does call her the Energizer Bunny of city government, which is, I like. Yes. I um... <laughs> That night, Ron starts telling ghost stories about someone's private property, but still being forced to take it in for a state inspection. Yeah. And then everyone just explodes when they find out that Leslie doesn't have an idea and they're stuck out there camping for no reason. And when they try to leave, Tom's power consumption has killed the van. Right. Um, so I, I, we talked about this, but like, I really don't understand why they could walk to a bed and breakfast, but not back to the parking lot where their cars were, or, you know... Is is the bed and breakfast inside this yeah, massive park? I don't know. Because that's not a good business model. It's, none of it makes any sense. Just structurally, it, it doesn't work. But whatever, they go to the Quiet Corn bed and breakfast. Uh, yeah, it's called the Quiet Corn, and it's at the edge of a giant forest. So. <laughs> right. No corn. Inside. No corn anywhere to be seen. There was corn, but they tore it down to put up a giant maze and uh, right. roller, coaster. roller coaster. Yes. Um, and so the woman who owns the quiet corn, breakfast is served between 5.30 and 6.15 a.m. <laughs> Ron, the fuck is a German muffin? <laughs> yeah, yeah no, their breakfast will be a hard-boiled egg, a slice of tomato, and your choice of a German muffin. Which I looked up, and there are such things as German muffins, and they appear to all be some variation of ground almonds, rum, vanilla, cinnamon, orange peel, and raisin, like, flavoring. Well, it sounds as though you should make a batch of those for our next live show. Mm, yes, obviously. Yes. Um, and then, not <laughs> with everybody, Chris and Anne talk, and she... Uh, misreads him again. Again. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I have to move, right? Bye, everyone. Yeah, I really feel like this is the low point for Anne. Yeah, I hope so. I, but I keep, we keep saying, saying that. that. <laughs> <laughs> I know where this storyline all ends, so I have to figure the turn comes right. somewhere. Somewhere, I guess, but we're not at it yet. Um,. And Leslie continues to sort of spiral because she can't come up with ideas, which forces Ron to shut her into an empty room so that she will sleep and rest her brain, which I will say is the best thing to do when you are spiraling like that. Absolutely. I do wonder, though, what kind of laptop was she working on? Because it had the Windows logo on the back. But Microsoft didn't start making its own laptops until 2012. Hmm. A prototype, maybe? I don't know. People in Pawnee are weird. They use AltaVista, and they get creative work done on a Windows machine. Yeah, I know. Mm. I got got nothing there other than, mm. Yep. Uh, So um, (laughs) when Leslie shows up at Chris's office the next morning, which... Chris, not even waiting for the body to get cold, moved in pretty fast. Right, right. <laughs> um, he was there. Yeah. Um, not that the city manager died. We just never, ever see him again. Uh, we are told that he lived, though. Um, I just slept seven hours, which is twice as long as I normally sleep. She should be dead. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, 
I need about nine hours of sleep every night just to operate at my baseline level. And I realize that there are people that like happily get by on six or so, but three is ridiculous. I tend to do six, six to seven hours of sleep at night. Yeah. You know, except on weekends, I'll give myself an extra hour. Yeah. Uh, I mean, seven would be fine, but three and a half. Yeah. No. Hell. No. Like she, she would be a crazy person. Yeah. But she has some good ideas. No, all of her ideas are amazing. Yeah. Um, and then she says she's only as good as the people you work with, which I think you have certainly said on this podcast, but is in my life also very, very true. Um, Probably true. But then again, once I worked with Jacob, so. Well, yeah, we will try to block that out. But no, anything that I do at work that yeah. is good is usually yes. because I had a coworker who either did most of that work or it was their idea to begin with. Do your with. coworkers ask you to, you know, carry Tic Tacs around with you because of your breath <laughs> so they can actually prevent you from sneaking up on them when they're about to get credit for a project that they did? No. Yeah, it's a good episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> so then they cut back to the bed and breakfast where the old lady is playing Ode to Joy on her harpsichord. <laughs> right. To a, what looks to be a captive Ben and a very happy Jerry. <laughs> yeah. I actually take it back. This is my favorite scene of this episode. And, like, actually, maybe top ten. Just this scene. (laughs) And there are cats all over the place. And then it just cuts to Ben. Yeah, she died, like, 20 minutes after that. It just, I can't stop laughing every time. Because it's so dark. And it's so out of nowhere. (laughs) I think it's a metaphor. I think it's a metaphor for the problems that the euro was having during the financial crisis. She's playing Ode to Joy, which is, of course, everyone knows, the anthem of the European Union. And then 20 minutes, she's dead, while Jerry smiles, eating a German muffin. Mm. Oh, obviously. She's Greece. I don't know how I missed that. Yeah. It's it's almost too obvious. I feel stupid even (laughs) spelling it out. I know. I know. Um, yeah, no, it's really, it's such a good ending on this otherwise, like, very blah episode. Yeah, no. But. The Pawnee Sun headline, uh, the, the the very end, and the notion that anyone would steal Kyle's identity. Like, how boring must your <laughs> life be where you want to be Kyle? <laughs> the only highlights on this episode. Yeah. Um, so, we are fortunate enough to have scored an interview with Alexandria's vice mayor um, and city council member, Justin Wilson. He sat down with us a little while ago to talk about um, Parks and Rec and what it gets right about local government, what it gets wrong, and share some uh, hilarious stories of his own that match up to some of what we've seen on the show. So, yeah, we didn't have Jacob, but honestly, having Justin is way, way, way better. So stay tuned um, for for that. All right, guys. So today we are bringing you a special interview Um, with an actual member of local government. I know that everybody's heard 
Jacob, Kirk, and I um, talk a lot about sort of our experiences on campaigns, but none of us have actually held elected office um, at any level and definitely not at the local level. So we are bringing you an interview with Justin Wilson, who is the uh, current vice mayor for the city of Alexandria and running for mayor. Welcome, Justin. Thank you very much. I'm a big fan. I'm happy to be on. Uh, So if you want to just introduce yourself briefly to our listeners, some of whom know you and some of whom have never uh, heard anything about Alexandria politicians. How could how could anyone have not heard about Alexandria politicians? I, I find that, I find that hard to believe. <laughs> Me too. Um, so uh, I was originally elected uh, to the Alexandria City Council in uh, 2007 um, in a special election. Um, two years later, uh, the voters decided I should spend some more time with my family, and I was unelected from the Alexandria City Council. In uh, 2012, I uh, ran again and I won, and then 15, I got reelected. Um, so I guess I've been on for a total now of uh, seven years uh, over the last 10 years. Um, I live in uh, the Delray section of Alexandria. I have uh, a wife and uh, two uh, kids, a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old. And my day job is uh, is with Amtrak uh, downtown. So that's what I do. Awesome. And I, I meant to add this in the beginning, but for anyone who doesn't know Justin, there was a line in this week's episode that could easily be applied to you. Um, Ben tells Leslie that she is the energizer bunny of city government. And I think anyone who knows you or anything about Alexandria politics would say that line probably applies to you as well. (laughs) It it, it is, you know, one of the fun things uh, and challenging things about elected office, and I imagine at any level, although I've only experienced it at local level, is that there's kind of a, it's unlike any other job you can ever have in that there's kind of an unlimited amount of things you can do. And, you know, most jobs, you have a job, you know, if a set of job responsibilities, you do them every day and you, and you go home, you know, in local government, it's kind of endless. And uh, so if you let it, it will, uh, it will suck all your time, which is one of the things that's fun, um, but it's also a challenge. Definitely. So, you know, we're talking about parks and recreation. That's sort of what (laughs) we do here. Who is your favorite parks and rec character and why? Well, so I I guess I have a, I have favorites and then I have like who I think I'm more like, and that's kind of different. Well, Um, we definitely want to hear both. Yeah. Yeah. Start with favorite. So, you know, I, I, I love Leslie's kind of, uh, uh, endless optimism and, and can-do spirit. Um, but I have to say, I, I, I love Ron's just like uh, cynicism and, and just wicked sense of humor. So I, I would probably be more of a fan of, uh, of Ron just from the humor perspective. So he's my favorite to watch. Um, I think I'm probably more like a Ben Wyatt. Um, um, you know, I, I, I think you're, you're playing you're to your audience no. here. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm more of a Ben because Wait. you know we have a lot of parallels. Ben lost an election, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, and kind of and and it went through a, a tough uh, point when he was in office and then out of office. Um, you know, so I, I think he's a numbers guy uh, like myself. And but uh, yeah, Ben Ben didn't lose election he was actually impeached after getting elected mayor and running his city into the ground financially (laughs) 
well, how I does that do, relate to you? I, I didn't do that. <laughs> I didn't do that. But you know, I uh, I, I have a um, <laughs> he has he has a similar outlook. You know, I, I'm not. Um, you know, you know, Leslie is a little different for me in that um, I, I'm I'm definitely more realistic than than I think she is sometimes. And so my my, my sister my sister was reading an article that I was quoted in. Um, uh, a couple months ago, and she's like, she's like, do 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 reporters just call you to be the wet blanket? And, <laughs> and, and I, said, I, I said, well, that's a, that's an interesting point. And uh, so, you know, she she, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's that's in some ways that's my role is to be kind of uh, at least the realist, and, uh, and and so I think Ben approaches it that way as well. But um, I, I don't know, that's uh, it, it's hard. I was looking through the characters, kind of thinking about this last night, and I was like. Oh, no, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. All right. Nope. I'll give it to you. I just know that it has been described to me in the past, maybe by people that are married to you, that <laughs> you are the Leslie Nope of Alexandria. So, you know. Which is a lot better than being the Jerry of Alexandria. <laughs> that's, okay. that's, that's right. I don't think I'm the Jerry. I, you know, I, I, I wish I was as optimistic all the time as Leslie is, but, um, but I love her can do spirit. So. Awesome. So you do run like Chris Traeger, though. That's true. That's true. I do now, run a now, lot. Now, to I, go to a controversy we had in a recent episode of our show, if you had a friend who was really looking for a good steak, but the steakhouse you were going to take him to was closed, would you take him home and grill a portobello mushroom? Ooh, that seems like it would be a real foul. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, good. Okay, good, why, good, why, good. Why, why would you do that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We all agreed on that, but it is a thing that Chris Traeger did that we thought he was lucky to be alive. Yeah, that, that seems like a foul. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, we try as best we can on this show to sort of delineate the things that Parks and Rec get right about government service and the things that just don't make a whole lot of sense. Um, from your perspective, really being on the inside of it, what are some things that you think, yes, they nailed that. That is exactly what my life is like. Well, so, you know, it's funny because Alex and I used to watch this uh, together a lot. And, and, you know, it was always funny to me because I would laugh at times where she wouldn't laugh and she's like why are you laughing i was like because that is just so true <laughs> they, they, they have got it right on the target and you know i i think the thing they definitely get right is public meetings um yes you know, they, they, we wanted to ask they, about that yeah oh they get those dead on target because it is absolutely true that when you go to a public meeting about some issue that you will in the, the the one thing that you did not prepare for, did not think would be controversial, did not think would dominate the conversation, will dominate the conversation. And and they always, you know, like they always every time they do a public meeting, like someone will stand up and you know say something just completely bizarre, and that's totally true. And I I can't tell you the number of times I have I, I have been. I mean, here I'll I'll give you an example. <laughs> I'll give you an example. So. Um, uh, several years ago, um, a church uh, over in uh, Northridge in Beverly Hills was uh, proposing to put in a surface parking lot um, next to their church for their elderly um, uh, 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 parishioners to park on on Sundays. Um, just a tiny little like four space surface parking lot that would only be for 
um, elderly and disabled uh, uh, parishioners. And, you know, a very non-controversial request. Um, <laughs> very <you>. non-controversial. <laughs> yeah, non-controversial. And so um, they decided to present this proposal to uh, the Northridge uh, Citizens Association. And there were several people there who uh, were deeply concerned that uh, people from a neighboring jurisdiction um, would uh, find uh, people from the oldest profession and bring them to that parking lot to receive um, service. And, um, and th- 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 this was their concern. And, the, uh, and so, the oldest and so, profession? Hunter-gatherers? <laughs> no, not that profession. Kurt. Oh. <laughs> not that profession. Um, so the, the, um, this one woman raises her hand and describes this concern. And I thought, okay, wow, she's crazy. And another person <laughs> raises their hand and says that she agreed and she was very concerned about this. And there, there has to be something done about this uh, parking lot. And so the, the church, uh, the, the head of the vestry who was speaking on behalf of the church, he, you know, he said, well, we will definitely put up a chain there um, when it's not being used so that nobody, um, you know, get parks there and has mischief. Of any kind, and and the woman was completely not satisfied, and uh, she 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 raises her hand and she says, she says, I just know that when this opens, I am going to walk out my front door and slip on used condoms, and we're we're all we're all looking at her like, wow, okay, okay. <laughs> so you know, there you go. That, you you never uh, know what will come up at a public meeting uh, about issues that are seemingly innocuous. <laughs> that's amazing yeah it was pretty pretty fun so the parking lot's there and i have not heard any complaints since uh... i'll say is that now the highest crime <laughs> corner in the entire city of alexandria <laughs> no no it's not okay. no it's no it's not you know what do they get wrong yeah I, I, I think um you know and this is just alexandria so i don't know how others are you know the the, the tension and the kind of um gamesmanship on the council you know, we don't really have that to the level that they um, they portray. You know, like Councilman Jam and you know all that all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we don't we have, have that. Not, right. We have not yet met him in our rewatch, but he is uh, he's gotcha. worth noting when we get there. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. You got to get get jammed at some point. You know, I don't I don't think we have that. I I also think the um, the uh, the relationship between the staff and members of council is is is. Is a, I would hope more professional on a day to day basis than, <laughs> than 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 they probably portray in the in the show. But they get your a lot nurse, right. they really <laughs> your nurse best friend isn't there just day in and day out for no reason and accompanies you on all government functions. No, <laughs> not so much. Not so much. Yeah. No, weirdly enough. <laughs> In okay. Alexandria, is there a constant and sometimes borderline violent feud between the Parks Department and the library system? <laughs> well, I, I have to say, there are departments that have those kinds of feuds in Alexandria. So not in the Parks and Library Department. They seem to get along pretty well. But um, there are definitely departments in, in city government, I'll, I'll leave them nameless, um, who do <laughs> have who do have uh, brutal disputes from time to time. So it definitely, it definitely happens. It definitely happens. When we stop recording, will you tell Kirk and I? Because now I just want to know. Yeah. <laughs> I will tell you one story. I okay. have. <laughs> so, All right. Great. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be able to tell for recording in the, in the corner. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll definitely check for that. Um, so, go ahead, Kirk. So um, as we know, 
the city of Alexandria was founded in 331 BC by Alexander the Great and has had some ups and downs and apparently a relocation to Virginia over the many thousands of years that it's been in existence. Mm-hmm. Some would say that the tax base in the city of Alexandria is way too diversified and it would be better to lean more heavily on single family residential properties. <laughs> Do you agree or disagree with that? You seem you seem to have taken my literature and basically Whoa. gone for the opposite approach. <laughs> Are you running for mayor against me, Kurt? Because you've clearly carved out a good uh, a good opposite uh, a vision for the future of our city. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, I just said some would say I I'm oh, not okay, gotcha. you know. You've um, heard you've heard your yes, right just you know, heard like yep. you do. Yep, that's right. Um, so, Justin, a lot of people that still listen to Kirk, Jacob, and I talk on a weekly basis um, are people that I think love Parks and Rec for the same reasons we do, which is that they think, you know, local government is awesome. So, I'm assuming you agree, <laughs> but... <laughs> Kind of give our listeners a sense of why why stay local? Why not Congress, Senate, et cetera? What are some of the advantages of local government service? Well, the, with all due respect to Kirk, the first advantage of local government service is we actually um, do things. Um, so, so that's the that's hey, the first. Hey, <laughs> that's, we that's shut the, that's down the, the government <laughs> and reopened it in a weekend. <laughs> We, we, we which was actually, a mistake. Yeah, the latter right. part. That's right. Yeah, we actually uh, we actually do things, and um, so I, I'm a big fan of local government, and I and I love that Parks and Rec has made it kind of sexy for at least a moment. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's a um, and, and, and honestly, I you know maybe I'll come to live this down at some point, but I I really have no desire to ever leave local government. So I mean, the, the first the first thing I would say about local government that I love is that I can literally send an email and get stuff done or, or text message or whatever. And, you know, we have a very responsive city staff and, and if they, you know, if something is, is brought to my attention or something I want to try to solve, I can basically contact them and nine times out of 10, I can get something done. So most of the work um, of council occurs off the day. That's off of the council meeting. Yeah. So you um, have a, you have a reputation as being the city councilman that can be texted Facebook messaged or called at any time of night to address pretty much any issue that comes up. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, that is, that is, that is what I do. Um, you know, I, I have to say it's, it's a, um, I, and I tell this story from time to time when, when it was during the, I guess it wasn't the last snowmageddon. It was the one before that. Um, snowpocalypse. Snowpocalypse. Yeah, whatever. Um, and it was like two in the morning and, uh, my, 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 uh, my phone rings at, uh, at home. And I'm awake, which says something about me, but so I'm awake, but I, I get this call. And so I pick up the phone and, and they said, is this, is this councilman Wilson? And I said, yes. And, um, he said, this is so-and-so on this street. And, um, you guys have not plowed my street. And I paused for a second. Cause I, you know, I, my initial response would have been something that probably would have ended my political career. And I, <laughs> I, I, I paused, I collected my thoughts for a second and I said, Really? I said, what, what street are you on? And so he tells me the, the name of the street. And I was just kind of dumbfounded. And then he proceeds to say, you're the only one whose number I found in the phone book. 
And I said, I said, oh, okay. And, uh, and he said, you know, when I was growing up in Boston, if you were a member of council and you didn't list your number, your home number in the phone book, you would get voted out of office the next election. And uh, I said, well, I, I said, bully for me, I guess. And, um, and so, <laughs> so, uh, so then I, I hang up the phone and I um, text uh, a staffer who I knew was awake because I had just texted with him. So I texted him and I said, you're not going to believe this, but um, someone called uh, about this street and said it hadn't been plowed. And he just called my house right now. And he said at two in the morning. And I said, yep. <laughs> and so then 20 minutes later, my uh, friend and city staff texted me back and said, you're not going to believe this, but our snow crew just radioed in and said they just plowed that street. And I said, oh, no, see, that's not good. I said, because now, <laughs> now, now this guy called me at 2 a.m. And 15 minutes later, I basically got his street plowed. Like, that is not a good uh, coincidence. <laughs> and uh, so luckily the guy has not called again. But uh, maybe we can get his that a little but I bet he tells people that story. I'm sure it is probably pretty helpful, you know, so we you should we, check uh, if you're if you're on the ballot for anything this year, you should check and see if you do <laughs> unexpectedly well in that little neighborhood. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it is it is true. So snow is kind of when local government is at its biggest uh, test. And, you know, a couple years ago, um, uh, I went out with our sheriff who has his own snowplow. And, uh, and he brings me out and I ride around with him and he loves doing it. Um, and, you know, he basically goes to streets that have been marooned for a couple days and and freeze them just for fun. And it, totally outside the normal system, by the way, he just kind of freelances and goes out and plows streets. But uh, so we went to the street near Alexandria Hospital where the sheriff had heard that there was a woman who had surgery the next day scheduled. And so she needed to get out and. So we uh, we started working our way into the street, and his plow was really suffering. I mean, it was a lot of snow, and uh, and he she she or he gets around the corner, and there's a, a like seven or eight neighbors who are sitting in this front yard with a bonfire and just like having fun, very 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 inebriated, and uh, and so they see us and they're like, oh, we're so happy to see you, and they're like, what do you want? And we're like, oh, we don't need anything. We're fine. We're just ha- you know public service is what we do. And they're like, no, 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 hold on. And so they're like, do you like rum? And uh, and we're like, we yes, we love rum, but no. Um, and so and so they go running in and they grab some really, 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 really nice rum. And uh, and we're like, no, we 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 really cannot take this. So then she's like, hold on, I'm gonna get sandwiches. So she runs back in, she grabs sandwiches, brings them out. Here, take these sandwiches. And I'm like, we really were fine. We don't. And so we got the plow stuck. So I got out and I had to shovel the plow out. And while I wasn't looking, they threw the rum and the sandwiches in the front of the truck. And so we uh, we drove off and we made it about a block away. And we realized we were stuck with this rum and sandwiches. So, uh, oh, well, you know, there you go. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? That's right. <laughs> I don't think I took home the rum for the record. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't. Yeah, sure. No, no. Um, all right. Well, Kirk, do you have any other questions? Just- that- one last question, sure. um, and I, hopefully this isn't a, a lifetime story type answer, <laughs> but for, for folks who see what's going on and uh, aren't happy with either their city or the national political scene or things that are just going around them, how do you recommend they get involved? Not necessarily running for office, but how do they make their voices heard? How do they affect change in their own communities? Well, first of all, get in our face. Um, you know, I, I, I tell people, I mean, I, I don't know if every community is like Alexandria, probably not, but, you know, Alexandria is an incredibly accessible government. And, um, and you know, we are t- 
terribly responsive, sometimes to a fault, um, but very, very responsive. And so, you know, we don't hear uh, on a lot of different issues. We don't hear from a lot of people. And so one or two people who are giving us a, a, a very well thought and, and, and important pitch, uh, it can be very effective. And so I encourage people to access their government and let us know their opinion. And, and nine times out of ten, we're going to be pretty responsive about it. Um, and, uh, but, you know, get on committees, get on boards, you know, volunteer in your community, all the normal stuff. So, and you're running for mayor this year. Where, where would folks find out more information about that? Well, I have a website that people can visit. It's www.justin.net. That's www.justin.net. That's the best way. So drop me a line. I'm always happy to talk about issues or just parks and recreation. Awesome. Whatever. Well, thank you so much for coming to talk to us. This has been awesome. Thank you, Justin. Appreciate it. Yep, I enjoyed it. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you. That was our interview with Vice Mayor Justin Wilson of the city of Alexandria. We're really happy to have had him on. Uh, and, of course, hopefully we'll have more guests, more guest hosts, more guests to just chat about their experiences with local government in the future. You can rate and review us on Facebook. Um, tell us how you like this episode at facebook.com slash icetownclowns you can interact with us on twitter some of you uh have been doing that mostly to let us know that you don't like it when we talk about politics so sorry (laughs) um that's probably not changing those are all russian troll bot farm people right you can still tweet at us at icetownclownpod you can Write us much more than 240 characters about your opinions on that if you want by emailing us at icetownclowns at gmail.com or you can go to our website www.icetownclowns.com. So next week we'll be watching the episode Andy and April's Fancy Party, which I know Jacob will be very happy he didn't miss this episode. And you don't want to miss it either, so go online, Amazon, iTunes, your DVD set from the 1990s, whatever it is that you use to watch these sh- uh, shows. Not that, obviously, they made DVDs. Parts of Rec. <laughs> whatever. It's old technology. <laughs> Don't step on my own joke. Anyways, uh, check it out. Leave us a review on the iTunes store. It really helps us build our audience. And once again, we have no idea how to end the episode because Jacob isn't here. Yep. So uh, why don't we just sit here awkwardly until the music starts to play? Perfect. I love it. Great. Great. Okay. All right.